episode 115 and we are minus nick tonight nick's a little under the weather but jesse's here and justin's here what's up you know what guys going guys we don't we don't need nick screw nick you know what i mean i'm with you dude (laughs) what a (laughs) pussy we got this (laughs) complaining about not feeling well i know what's up with that that is i think let's just throw him under the bus completely i mean what the hell Seriously, yeah. though, Nick, get to feeling better, and, uh, you know, it's that time of year. I think it's just winter. I don't know about you guys, but I'm really starting to get a little antsy about all the Orlando Heli blowout pictures I've been seeing. Oh, dude. <laughs> it's like it's like as bad as Urcha. <laughs> because yeah. you go on Facebook, and I can't scroll more than two or three posts without seeing something about OHB. Yeah, it's so, just that constant reminder. And my good friend Chris Treby does his best to keep me in the loop by tagging me on, like, every goblin photo yeah. that he puts up. Dude. So I, I just can't get away from it. I got a text from <laughs> Carrie Shirley that had, like, four pictures and a smiley face. And yeah, I'm like, I just, I just text in. him back, and I said, you bastard. What? Yeah. He's like, oh, it's so nice down here. It's like 80 degrees. They're said, the only part of the country that is not part of this cold snap. Yeah. It's it's bad. Like, bad. I mean, it's not. Yep. We we get cold here in Montana. But our friend Ken Salois, uh, well, I call it Salois, but he actually pronounces it Saloy, which I believe it's completely wrong, by the way. <laughs> You don't you don't know how to say your name. Ken, you don't know how to say it, dude. It's yeah. Dan's got doing it right. Uh he lives in Great Falls, Montana. Now Great Falls is is about what, two hundred and fifty miles from here. And they were without wind chill, guys. They were at like minus twenty six degrees. I couldn't believe that. I saw so he posted a screenshot of that on Facebook. And it says minus twenty six, and then it says something like feels like minus 30 with wind chill and then down at the bottom you know how like weather channel gives you little descriptions and stuff of, yeah yeah it says this is poor weather for outdoor fitness <laughs> it's like no shit dude i mean come on well, didn't didn't he also reference it's colder than the arctic yeah it was colder than the south pole yeah can mm-hmm. you even believe that that's South Pole was like okay. two degrees warmer at that same time of day or whatever. Dude. Anyway, it's bad. Ah. Still bad. Been sub-zero all week here for me. Um, we've, we're, I guess, getting through it. <laughs> you know, I drive, it's a 44-mile trip to work. And yep. even though I let my car warm up, as soon as I get going, it cools back down, right? 
Yeah. And it takes 10 miles for it to get reasonably comfortable in my car. It's just ridiculous. Oh, dude. Wow. No flying for me this week. Well, for obvious reasons, I mean the wrist, but... Well, so yeah, we knew you were going to come and say no fly, <laughs> but I'm going to go out on a limb and guess you haven't even been into the trailer. Oh, dude. Uh, I went out to make sure my heater was still going. Because uh, I like and? to keep the... It is. I like to keep the trailer at about 45 degrees all winter long. And um, yeah, it's still going. The The, the helis are like... They're like whimpering like puppies. Like, what, dude? What's going me, on? Bring me inside. <laughs> so I've got, uh, you know, a little bit of good news. Of course, kind of going back to the whole Black Friday thing, and we talked about that last week with that that rush, you know? Mm-hmm. Yep. So I'm kind of, you know, kind of regretting not doing it uh, at $510. Because that's a right. good deal, right? It's a killer yeah, deal, it's a dude. a great deal. But the, the moment's passed. You know, and by the way, I did get all my bank phone numbers and, and PayPal shit. I got that all squared away. So that that's good. Nice. Next time this happens. I'm at work and I get a text, I believe from Dieter. He's like, dude, you need to check out Ready Heli. They're selling the rush for $450. What? <laughs> so better than the than the deal. Wait a so minute. It's cheaper than Black Friday. Yes. Yep. Was this the Cyber Monday deal? I think it's or was got, this just like the price? I think it's got something to do. Of course, a lot of people are aware the uh, you know the details are unknown to all of us, and it's probably better that way because it's really none of our damn business. But uh, Elise and Ready Helly have decided that it's mutually beneficial that they s- split ways, and I just think that the, you know they're clearing out uh, inventory. So yeah. make room. That makes sense. Win for me. I was able to, I jumped on it. I wasn't going to let that go. Oh, so, so you did actually buy it? I did. Nice. Oh, dude. Now, okay, now, did you buy the stretch kit for it? I so didn't. you can run it as a 750? I didn't. I And I don't know that I'm going to yet. You think you just want to give it a try as a 700 I I think so. I Because to be honest with you, I, if I'm going to get a, I don't, you know what? I don't know. I, I think I'm just going to reg it, run it. As a regular 700. So is is this going to kind of put the Align 700 electric on the back on the back burner? Is this one going to get built first? Uh, I think so. Yeah, because this one's yeah. new. The other one's not. So the other one's not. Um, I would like to have them both going. To be honest with you, and I don't know why. I'm at, you know I don't know. It's like you get a new one, and you're you're like I don't know, just a little more motivated. Yeah, because it's in a box, nice and shiny. You got a box; you can break open the plastic. Yeah, you know, it's just a little more exciting. So I've got some parts coming in. Nothing too, nothing too fancy. I can't. uh, Haven't decided on packs yet, but I'll probably go with Gen's Ace. If I can't find Gen's Ace, I'll probably go with Pulse or whatever I can get my hands on at this point. Yep. Now, what do you mean you got some parts coming in? Are these upgrades? No, just the just like spares for crashing servos. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh my good our, my good friend at uh Dave at Elite Performance RC down in Florida is uh is giving me quite a deal on some on some fantastic uh, outraged torque servos. Right? Nice. Um going with a Castle uh 160 HV. Good call. Uh blades Version will probably two, go right. HV2. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh probably <laughs> go with Compass Blades. 
because I really like those blades. Mm-hmm. Nice. And because you bought Heli Direct out of stock when they were on sale for eighty bucks. <laughs> right. I, I I did I yeah, I did well, I only bought one set when that deal was about. Oh I know, man. I was a dumbass. I should have bought more. But I'll be getting more. And let's see. you know, I haven't really decided if I'm gonna go B E C or just uh RX pack. I don't know. I'm pretty I say you you wait until you get it all set up and then figure out what it looks like weight wise exactly. and, and, and configuration. And real estate wise. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Have, yeah. Where are you going to put it? it I'm not, not familiar real. enough with that heli setup to say for sure what would make the most sense. But So I do know I am going to try an icon on this helicopter. Decided. Ooh. So I'm going to step out of my comfort zone. I And you guys know when I get into a fly barless system, like I got into, it took him forever to talk me into flying a Beast X. And, and I was so reluctant to, to move away. Out of it. And then Nick gets me talked into trying the... Uh, the skookum, and now yep. I just don't want to do anything else. But so I think you've it's time. not flown the icon yet. I've not. I've not flown the icon. Does the icon uh, have a bailout? Definitely. Dancing? I think you're going to like it, dude. Yeah, it it does. It's just a self level, though, not a climb. It doesn't climb. Okay. But it will bring the heli upright and level from any orientation, even inverted. I kind of like that. the The major components have been thought out: Scorpion motor, forty thirty five, five hundred kV. Nice. That's really about it. I'm pretty excited about it. Got all winter to build it, so I'm not going to get in too much of a rush there. But <laughs> you going to run the Icon external governor, or are you going to try the Castle internal governor? You know, I don't. I don't know. I'm going to have to kind of play around with both because I haven't got. I don't have a lot of experience with electronics and governors. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I've kind of just. Well, uh, the Icon yeah. governor will kick the Castle governor's ass, oh, yeah. but. The castle governor nowadays is not nearly as bad as it used to be. Yeah. yeah I, and they, even the uh, icon governor, it's not. I mean, it, it used to be a thing where the castle is just so simple to set up, tune. You know, it gets you flying really quick. But the icon gov, I've found nearly the same thing. Good. That's good to hear. Because I hate. That's the one thing I hate about elect, electric helicopters is it just feels complicated to me. Nitro is pretty simple. I mean, setting a governor is really simple. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. setting. Uh, you know, the, the goblin, I use the castle talon. So I use that governor. Same to work. Oh yeah. And for the 500, that should be more yep. than enough. I'm shooting for 2,600 head speed. <laughs> on the, on the rush. <laughs> on the rush. Hey. Kidding. Only kidding. Oh, I, I just figured. You'll have something in common <laughs> with your best good buddy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I still don't have my radio, you guys. Oh, dude! Seriously, has, this is like this is you like paid a soap the opera. guy like two weeks ago. The twenty twenty seventh is when he got paid. The e check had to have gone through. The e check cleared on the twenty seventh. Okay, hmm. so this is turning into a soap opera. I mean, okay. The hell, the radio's on the way, I, and I'm not interested. I mean, I, at some point, if I feel like it, I'll talk about all the shit that happened, but I'm not real interested in it right now. I just want the radio. Now, here's the... I've been watching the tracking. I do have the tracking number, and apparently there is a box headed mm-hmm. my way. Do but, they uh, do they deliver when it's that cold? <laughs> that's the thing. I, dude, <laughs> I've no, been dude, trying the to. The horse will freeze to death. The yeah, horse will freeze to, to death. Die. 
I've been trying to get into, you know, when you check the tracking on a FedEx and it's like, do you want to reroute this delivery? I would yep. love to reroute mm-hmm. this de- delivery to a FedEx station or whatever they call it in Missoula where I work. So right. it doesn't have to sit out on my porch in, you know, minus 29,000 degrees temperature all day. That doesn't work. Every time I start to do it, it's like, please try this feature later. Okay, well. Right. Are you a My FedEx member or whatever it's called? I'm not. You suppose they want me? It's It says you can do it as a guest or you can do it as a member. I don't know. I, I'm mm. a My UPS member, and that's the only way it lets me make changes to my shipments. Um, I think it'll be all right. I think I'll talk to a neighbor to keep an eye out and then just... Actually, I might leave a note on my door uh, to the FedEx guy. Could you please just open the door and put the box inside? Because, see, where I live, we don't have to lock our doors. Yeah. Unless Especially the FedEx guy wants out. to steal something from you. <laughs> I Yeah, hopefully he doesn't. I mean, my dog will lick him to death if he tries. Oh, okay. <laughs> that That's definitely... <laughs> that yeah. should put him off. So... Monday, 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 Monday. We'll see. I don't know. Um, I tell you what, though, if it is here Monday night, I will be getting on to, if it's here Monday when I get home from work, I want to set up, I will set up a real flight session probably around the regular time that we always used to do it around what, 10 o'clock or so, Jesse, was it? Yeah. If uh, you happen to have real flight 6.5 and you want to experience... (laughs) If you, want to, if you want to log on and like watch me flail around with a one stick radio, you're more than welcome to do so. We might we might record it. You can fraps those or record those sessions, I believe, can't you? Yep. Yep. Because I think it's going to be interesting. To, I will be there, dude. <laughs> to see what it's all yeah, about. Yeah, please let I, us know. I want to try your freaking radio. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I've been getting a lot of people saying that. Like, oh, yeah, that'll be fun to meet up with you at a fun fly to try that because that'd be interesting to try it. I'm like, uh, okay. <laughs> I don't know if I'm <laughs> too interested we, in letting all kinds of people. Are we binding it to your heli? Yeah, we're going to bind it to your heli. <laughs> so uh, it, I'm looking forward to it. I um, haven't heard whether or not I got in on the 150 pre order. Uh, I guess I'll know to the 15th. Guys, I'm stepping away from a line. No comments about that. No. What do you mean you're stepping away from a lot? Oh, you mean with the rush? Yeah. What's up with that? How come uh, no no support, no bashing? What I mean, I don't, I don't get it. We'll yeah. we'll see. Uh, you know, I, yeah. I, I want to see how it goes first. I think you might get that thing up in the air and then look at your 700E and your black and just swap and silver all the parts. nitros and be like, nah, I like a line. Too much. I mean, you got your 150 coming, right? Yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, let's not this, forget this about is the not, tattoo. This doesn't oh necessarily represent a departure from a line. This might just be sort of like an aberration where you went out of your mind, you picked up a rush, <laughs> only, because, of it. only because it was $450. Yeah, only that's what I was going to say. It's just because it, of the cost. Unless you can <laughs> so go to the tattooist it. and have him like redo <laughs> the aligned tattoo to, to Charlie Stevens' face. Oh my God. Come on. <laughs> Hey, Mark, our buddy Mark on the on the forums. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He picked up one too. He's going to be flying a rush. He did. Oh, nice. Well, that's enough of me, guys. You know, just I'm dealing with this cold ass weather as as we all are. It's uh, respectively and relatively cold to all of us, no matter where we live, compared to the temperatures we're used to. 
Oh, yeah. Except for you yeah. warm weather dicks in Florida right now. I swear to God. <sighs> yeah. I don't want to talk about it. I'm going to start yeah. I'm going to start unfriending everybody that's posting <laughs> pictures of Orlando. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Which so seems jealous. to be like half my friends, unfortunately. So jealous of those guys. Next year, we should definitely try to get down there. We'll we'll go. So that's what I've been yep. up to, guys. Who wants to uh who wants to go next? Who else has Hit been? It, Jesse, uh, go for oh, it. Man. Yeah, it doesn't. Well, well, Dan, I, I might have some news for you. Oh, I, I may. There may possibly been a compass crash this last week. Oh, oh. nice. There wasn't. You know. Then I, oh, there was. Oh, the, you. No, there wait wasn't. a minute. It was. A, it was a joke. Oh, dude. You know, I. Well, see, this is how. You I, know what, I Justin? I think I'm just going to mute his mic. Hang on a second. Oh, rid of he's done. See, that, he's that, done. Was his, I, that was his. That was his week. There was one of two directions this could have gone. I figured, you know, I didn't get any flying in. I gotta come up with something just to pique their interest. If you know, just for a couple seconds, if nothing else. So I figured the best way to do that would be to uh, fake a compass crash. Dude, you're such a dick. That's such a. <laughs> that's such a. That's a dick move, man. I mean, I, I, I was getting ready I, to you know, pour out on you. Strung us along a little bit further. Yeah, you should have. You know, like, told us about what yeah, hell it but... was. How bad did it go in? I mean, lie to us. I mean, you already <laughs> did. So at, at yeah, least I'd... make it interesting. You got to commit to it. A little bit more. You got to commit when you're gonna when you're gonna uh, go with that. You got to okay. commit. You got to run with it. Uh, I will definitely next time. Next you time? won't even know till after the show. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and at the very end. Oh, by the way, Dan, that whole compass crash you, didn't happen. Yeah, it didn't didn't even happen. That was That'd that was be not good. real. So, but it would be. I mean, it's been cold for you, right? Oh yeah, it's it's been well, yeah. The, the last couple of days here, it's actually been record low temperatures for that date in Pullman. Um, we got we finally got in some cloud cover today, and it, it warmed up to a, a thirteen degrees Fahrenheit for us. <laughs> so that's nice. But most of the time, we've been hovering right around five, dipping down to like negative three, negative four at night. I know, dude. Um, so very very cold here. So you wouldn't um, that, have gone flying if you could. Yeah, I mean that, and that's kind of the thing. I, school has just been. This is this was the uh, last week of the semester for lectures. So I'm, you know, this is I guess technically considered dead week, which was you know absolutely crazy. Lots of projects do whatnot, and the next week is finals week. So as far as the cold weather, in my opinion, it couldn't have really come at a better time because it it kind of helps keep me a little focused i don't look out the window and go man i should be out there flying because i actually look out the window go man i'm glad i'm not out there right now (laughs) um you know i did um have a little bit of time one night and jumped on the sim for a little bit gotta try to keep the skills up you know but it was it kind of sucked it was rough i'm not gonna lie um after not you know, on and off for the last probably three weeks now of the sim, you know, just not being able to get back into the rhythm. I'll find time one night and then not have time for three sort of things. So getting back on the sim, it, it needs to happen for me. But I'm, I'm really hoping that in the next couple of weeks I can, you know, get back into that every single night routine. Because once you get into it, it kind of just feels like, oh, it's 1130 time to get on the sim. It just kind of gets into your daily routine and becomes more of a habit than anything. Yeah. Hey, I got a question for you about that. Um, when you come back after being away from the sim like that, Mm -hmm. what do you find is the hardest? Is it just timing or is there something very specific about you're like, Oh man, I'm really off. 
Is it just timing? Yeah, well, I, I think part of it. So there's there's a couple things. One one of the major things I noticed right off the bat is when I'm not getting in much real flying either. It's it's just that connectedness or the the feel of just flying, I guess, in general. Um, and how I, I guess yeah, you could you could equate it to timing. You know, like those are the maneuvers that definitely go first. All the pirouetting type stirring maneuvers. Um, obviously, two or you know two or three weeks. I don't really notice that yet. Um, there was, I think, oh, geez, it was like last winter. Uh, there was a time where it was like, you know, four or five weeks off the sim. And it was like, okay, that was, wow, you come back to the <laughs> sim and stuff just isn't quite clicking like it was when you left. Um, so not a not a huge, I, I think it, it takes a little bit more time. Yeah, yeah. To, uh, to, to really notice that it's. I'm, I guess gone, but then it also does come back quickly. I have found. You yeah, know, you, you start hitting the sim th- two or three nights, and it's like, okay, here we go, right, you back. Know, right back in it. That's what I was going to say, though. It only comes back quickly if you keep simming consecutive yeah. nights in a row. Because I've done that before, where I don't touch the sim for weeks. I come back one night. It takes probably thirty minutes, the first thirty minutes, to get back in the groove, and then after that, I don't sim until the next week, and it's still again, it's the next. The next sim session takes the first 30 minutes. You can never get back to it unless you do it multiple nights. Yep. And then I would say the other thing I find is after you take some time off from the sim, how real it feels when you come back. I feel like after simming so many nights in a row, like, you know, four weeks every single night in a row, it kind of starts to, you know, you're not really into, you're not as, I guess, into it, if you will. And uh, once you kind of take that break and come back to it, it, it kind of really, I don't know, relights the fire, and uh, it it feels very realistic again to me. So let me pose one more question, Jesse, before you go on to both of you. And I'm just curious what you guys think, and we're going to do a little speculation here. Considering I haven't touched a radio except for one night attempt on a sim, going to this one-stick radio, do you think that, that that break actually might be a little more beneficial to picking up a new, completely different radio? Or is it, do you think... What do you think about that? Absolutely. Do you think so? I think it's got to help because you you're you're coming back to the sim after. I mean, how long has it been, Dan? How long has it been since you've actually flown anything with (sighs) the transmitter in a meaningful way? Uh, September 12th. September? Yeah. Oh, I mean, that's how long I've been dealing with this. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I think it's got to it's got to help you. I mean, yep. you you've been thinking about it no doubt for the last 3 months straight about how you're going to get back to it and knowing that it's this new radio, you've probably been thinking through certain maneuvers in your head. I, I mean, have. that's yeah. what I would do. I, I'm thinking about certain maneuvers and I'm not even getting the radio just because <laughs> I think it's an interesting, you know, thought <laughs> experiment. But yeah, I think that you should be able to get back there and I I honestly believe it's going to happen a hell of a lot quicker and easier than you think i'm hoping i'm hoping but anyway back to jesse what what else has been going on dude oh that's a that is about it you boring bastard oh man i i'm definitely looking forward to so like i mentioned next week is finals week so next friday or i guess next saturday i'll be heading home and i had originally thought that my winter break was three weeks I just found out today that it's actually four weeks oh so hopefully coming up if uh, over there on the west side of the state would warm up a little bit as well, hopefully be getting in a lot of flying here. 
after next week. So I'm really looking forward to that break. Sweet, awesome, dude. dude. Be nice. Be nice. <laughs> Be yeah. Nice. I'm so I'm so done with winter. I'm so over it already. You have, you haven't even started, yeah, we're dude. Just getting started. The the solstice is like the 22nd of December, right? That's when the days start to go the other way, right? That's right. Yeah. Oh man, I can't wait. I can't wait. Ugh. Anyway. So just once you get there, it'll happen sooner than you think. Yeah, it's gonna be no time at all. Justin, dude, what uh I did I did get a funny uh text from you today. Oh yeah? <laughs> yeah, it was like Ray flies, motor runs, <laughs> it's too cold out there, damn it, or something like that. Just really abrupt. Oh yeah, dude. Oh, oh man. <laughs> It's uh it's really cold. Yeah. So this week I did get I I did get a little bit of flying in on the rave today. That was pretty much it. So the Black Friday stuff has been rolling in, and part of that is the nitro engine parts. If you recall from last week, I was an idiot and I, I burned up my YS91. <laughs> so I got those parts in, re, rebuilt the engine earlier in the week, and by the way, I need to make a note of this. I've rebuilt a bunch of OS engines. I've rebuilt the gasser. I've never rebuilt a YS before. And the reason why that was so interesting to me this week is because those stupid freaking circlips that yeah. hold the piston conrod in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They're like metal slivers. <laughs> you know how the OS ones are like big, beefy, solid wire and they wrap around and they've got the little part like it. It turns 90 degrees and pokes out. It's a substantial piece of material, right? This thing is literally like a skinny, thin sliver of metal. Yeah. And yep. they pop out like a spring, like you would not freaking believe. So, yeah, that, that complicated things. But anyway, I got the engine rebuilt. Everything's good there. Put the rave back together. Went out today against my better judgment. Because it's been, okay, I know you're going to make fun. It's nowhere near as cold as it is in Montana, right? It's It's been in the 20s here. But when I got out to the field, it was like 21, 22, but with a 15 or 20 mile an hour wind. Oh, dude. So oh. we're talking like, yeah, that's no. you know, 10 with wind chill or, yeah. or maybe even single digits. I don't know. I didn't do the math. Freaking freezing. Anyway, the thing thing starts up perfectly fine, no big deal, gets off the ground, put a couple of flights on it, hovered it, flew it around. Honestly, that's all I felt like I could do, even though I am re-breaking in the engine, because after a few minutes, my fingers were numb I as know. hell. <sighs> I mean, you 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 can't you can't do it in that temperature. No. I don't <laughs> think a radio glove would help me. I didn't have one at the time, but I don't think it would have done anything for me. The propane heater just barely started to kick in. I mean, it threatened to take the edge off, but no <laughs> edge was taken off. It's just, it was horrible. So I was happy. Raves remaidened. Everything looks good. We were done. So I just, threw, and, and here's the deal. I knew it was going to be bad. I didn't even pack anything. It just was, it was the rave, <laughs> the starter, the fuel, the transmitter, go. Run out, get it done, come back. So 
hopefully, you know, that we were talking about the cold snap all across the U.S. and it's definitely hitting up here. Hopefully that clears out in the next couple of days or week or so. It's going to get worse before it gets better based on the forecast. So I don't know if I'll be getting any more flying in this weekend. Yeah, uh, but uh, we'll we'll see how it goes. Other bits came in. Compass 7HV stuff. So I told you I bought some bits and pieces and I didn't actually tell you what it was. Uh, among other things, I picked up the conventional head upgrade. So Jesse's been talking about this. You know, I took a look at the design. At first, I wasn't sure whether I really wanted to do it because I'll be honest, one thing about the Compass 7HV that I really, really love is that the head looks awesome, like visually, aesthetically. It gives the heli like a really nice, aggressive look. It's simple. It's easy to work on, that sort of thing. So I I didn't really want to go back to the conventional style non-DFC head, but with all the low head speed flying that I've been doing on the Goblin, I wanted to try out some low head speed on the Compass 7 HV. I hadn't, I haven't gone below, I think, 1850 or 1900 on the Compass. And I was talking to a couple of listeners, doing some research online, and what I found out is not only, for obvious reasons, does that head upgrade allow you a wider range of head speeds, but there have been people that have rebuilt the head with KBDD blue dampers, the royal blues, instead of the lime greens. Mm -hmm. And those are a little bit softer and actually give you quite a bit better flying characteristics at lower head speed. So I picked up the the conventional head upgrade. I got the Royal Blues. I haven't taken it apart yet because I'm still pulling all the broken bits off of it from the crash last weekend. But I'm going to take this opportunity. You know, I've got the Goblin flying perfectly fine. I've got the Rave flying. So I'm going to take this opportunity like the Gasser to sort of break the 7HV down, replace some bits and pieces, do some maintenance, maybe replace the bearings, so on and so forth. I'm going to pull the X8 servos out of it because that's what I've been running in it. And those those guys are going to go in the the compass or the Goblin 770 when it gets here. And then I'm I'm already I've already broken down the gasser mostly for maintenance and slowly going through it. I'm going to take its MKS servos, not the X8s. They're just the HBL 600 series and put those in the compass. And so, yeah, just switching a couple of things around. I got two helis that are running, one nitro, one electric. So I feel like that's enough, especially with the weather being the way it is. I probably won't get much flying in anyway. Uh, The 770 is the only thing that has not shown up. Ah, excited. it, it, it Ah. It was coming UPS ground. It was scheduled for Monday, and of course, you know, my (laughs) wife and I work during the day. So UPS delivering the thing with a signature required because of its price at like 11 a.m. doesn't get me anything. It gets me frustration for the remainder of the week as I try to find a way to be there to sign the damn package. Yeah, yeah. And so I have my UPS like we were talking about. I'm a member, premium member there. And I go in and I can reroute the shipment. So I rerouted it to my local UPS store, which is what I always do. It's never an issue, okay? And this time, so I re, and it doesn't tell me any of this beforehand. I reroute the freaking thing and it pops up and it says, Congratulations, your reroute request has been submitted. 
estimated delivery date, Tuesday, December 10th. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, man. Uh. So it pushed it out another freaking day. Uh. So, yeah, we'll we'll see. I mean, again, not in a rush, really, to get that. I'm going to take my time on that. Guy. It's just fun to get them, isn't it? It is. Well, yeah, because, you know, you yeah. go through the box and look at all the bits and pieces and pull the canopy out and all of that sort of stuff. Make love so, to it. Absolutely. Well, we're not going to talk about that. I hope the canopy's in good enough <laughs> no condition details. to actually fly by the end of that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Lots of KY. You'll be all right. Yeah. Hey, so, gauze. And, gauze. And, Lots of gauze. <laughs> well, no, dude, here's the thing. It's not aluminum like your, your KDE direct <laughs> super battery tray thing. Although I may be picking fiberglass fibers out of... Uh, oh, yeah. oh, oh, oh. Okay, moving on. <laughs> so so right now, I'm actually trying to figure out exactly what I want to do with the 770. Like I said, I know I'm going to do the X8 servos because it is an 800 class heli. I think that probably makes sense. I'm, I'm bouncing back and forth between 12 and 14S. And the reason is because I already have the, the Scorpion 160 HV ESC and the YGE 160, both of which are capable of uh. running 14S. So it's not like, you know, yeah, I have to go and buy 7S battery packs, which would be new, but it's not like I'm missing the whole power system. So, yeah. Yeah. you know, I... Uh, what I think I'll probably do is 12S and then run one of the, the 14S ESCs so that when I when I want to, I can upgrade it. And I'll get a 14S capable motor like the, the HK, uh, what is it, 4530, 450 I think is a 14S capable. And that way it'll be set up. And this guy's going to run low head speed anyway, so uh, it's not going to be one of those... Not going to be twenty six hundred. No, 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 no. So yeah, other than that, not much else going on. Hopefully, I'll get out either tomorrow or Sunday to fly. But if not, I'm not going to worry too much about it because I'll probably freeze within the first hour and leave anyway. <laughs> so you brought something up that kind of reminded me of something I've been thinking about. The last, What's that? last few days. Uh, you were talking about rebuilding your YS motor. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how it's come to be other than, you know, we talk a lot amongst the four of us and we kind of, it seems, end up using a lot of the same stuff. You know, whether it's Futaba, YS motors. Yep. Mainly it's just because between the four of us, we kind of have a tendency to agree a lot on, on what we consider to be good products. But something... I'm actually considering... Uh, switching all my nitro over to OS. Really? Huh. Which motor? I don't really know yet. Uh, the, the reason, the reason I'm thinking about it, and I don't know if it's a sign of the times or if there's something going on that we don't know about as consumers, but I've got two YS motors that -hmm. need a rebuild and... I'm having a hell of a time finding parts, dude. Yeah, dude. Yeah, and yeah I, I've noticed that. I kind of want to get away from that. I want to get to where I can just, if I need to order a sleeve, a ring, or a piston, I just know that I'll be able to find it. You know, if I have to, I can go to... Uh, I personally do not like going to Tower Hobbies. 
but I can. You know what I mean? Yep. No, I'm, I'm with you on that. You know, Nick and I were talking about that on when I blew up the, the, the YS-91 last week. It's like part of me wanted to go to OS just because I was looking everywhere and couldn't find all of the pieces that I needed for the YS. But because I got lucky with the sleeve and the piston ring combo, and then I picked up the crankcase and the head and a couple of other bits for free on Black Friday, I feel like I've probably got another season yeah. or so with this motor and that's, if I don't abuse it. That's the thing. And I guess if I was a little patient or maybe a little more vigilant or vigilant. <laughs> vigilant? <laughs> Is that diligent, diligent. or vigilant? Vigilant, diligent, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. And because I've got, those are fun. There's nothing wrong with those motors. I mean, other than they need to rebuild. And that's, once you rebuild them, they're new, right? Essentially. Yeah. Um, yep. yep. I guess if I just once a month looked and just picked up those parts, I don't really particularly want to get away from the YS motor. I've had great luck with it. As you guys know, I've run a shit ton of cool power through them. Oh, yeah, dude. And they've they've lasted spectacular. I mean, I just want to know that when I need to get a part for a rebuild, I'm not going to be waiting for it. But I don't know if I'm going to do that. It's just something I've been thinking about. So we'll see. Yeah, well, I, I'm with you. I... I can say this, though, if I haven't flown the OS-105, but I have flown the OS-91HZR, and it's a pretty damn awesome engine. That's probably what I would go after. And I, I think that's hmm. what I would go for as well, just because it's it's a little bit cheaper than the 105, and while the 105 hasn't had nearly as many issues as the YS-120, I feel like I I don't really need the power that the 105 or the 120 is going to give me anyway i mean yeah. part of the reason why you fly the nitro is because it's awesome not, not <laughs> crazy powerful like you like yeah well and awesome, it's awesome obviously yeah it is <laughs> it smokes it smokes and makes noise and we like that Mm-hmm. i still am sticking to my goal i'd like to have two 700 electrics going by spring and it kind of looks like i will you got hey, it, now man. Have air now it's just a matter of time. Now you mm -hmm. just got to build it. And then I got to... I was thinking about getting an OS 55 for the 600. Hell yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. I haven't. I flew that 600 once <laughs> last summer. <laughs> well, and it's on an, What is it, an OS 50 yeah. or is it a YS 56? It's got an OS 50 in it. Okay. Yeah, dude. The, yeah. the 55 <laughs> will wake that thing up like you could not believe. Yeah. I don't want to get rid of it, uh, but I don't fly it, so we'll see. So we've been babbling for quite some helis. time. What's that? You can never have too many helis, oh, dude. dude. Just hold on to it. I agree with that. I still have a Raptor 30, dude. Come on now. Oh, man. I should get that thing flying again. Oh, here we go. How fun would that be? Get the Kyosho concept Probably flying, Probably not too. that much fun, dude. Dude. Uh, yeah, I mean, to be honest... It wouldn't be all that great. Come on, you guys. How cool <laughs> would it be to get a GMP cricket? Not you cool guys are. I'm not that, dude. No way. Oh, Sorry, dude. I just think that I would don't, be I don't, awesome. Yeah, I don't buy vintage cars. I'm not into <laughs> getting the 90 year old house. Screw that shit. I want it new. <laughs> I don't know, man. I just think that would be something very cool about spooling up one of those old helis and just just putting around i really think i'd like that oh well okay so did you see the facebook post that jc zankel 
I did uh, hosted. Yes, what it, yep. he he just put together and maidened a uh, GMP cricket. Wasn't it a cricket? It was a. It was either a cricket or a rebel. I don't remember, but I did see the picture. And it's fully fly barless, <laughs> except it doesn't have a fly barless controller. Yeah, see, I'm not interested in that. I, I want to go old school completely. Like the Raptor 30, I'm not going to take the paddles off of it. Dude. You want? Yeah, you're going to put the fly barless yep. or fly bar on there. Yeah. And um, I just I don't know. I like that. I mean, I'm not going to. I mean, it's you know, it's novelty. It's like oh, let's pull out the old you know one or two tanks a year type heli. Sure, why you know? not? The cold weather sucks, but you know, here's the thing about the cold weather is is I can sit here and tell you it's minus four here right now, and and you are a puss because you're bitching about twenty five. But in reality, <laughs> it's all relative. If you're used to we a warmer, are, we are all cold weather bastards we compared to those warm yeah. weather dicks, and that's my new yep. term, CWB. That's <laughs> cold what we weather are. bastards. <laughs> cold like weather it. bastards. I nice. like it. I like it. Well, I think. Uh, Nick's not here, man. Are we are we prepared to go into some news? Uh, someone going to step into Nick's prepared. shoes? Uh, yeah. Right. I've got some news. Sweet. If there's one thing I've learned since I've gotten into this hobby, it's that if you're going to buy it, buy it once and buy quality. With my recent purchase of the iCharger 4010 Duo, I feel like not only did I get quality, but I'm going to get exceptional charging performance. So if it's time to upgrade your charging system, buy it once, buy it right. www.progressiverc.com Alrighty guys, this week's news is brought to you by HeliDaily.com, your daily RC helicopter news magazine. So... Uh, who who's going first? I don't. Usually, <laughs> I say what's up it. with the news, Nick, but he's not here. All so. right. Well, now you say so. What do you got, Justin? So, Justin, what do you got for news, man? How's that? All right. So, the first item here is a video that's done by our friend Colin Bell on the Align T Rex One Hundred and Fifty. I did watch that, and by the way. It's a you did okay. good. <laughs> It's a what what's in the box and it's a first 3D flight. And this this video is perfect for you, Dan, because it's on a Futaba system, right? Yeah. So you know this thing can work on a Futaba. It binds to Futaba FHSS, Spectrum JR, that sort of a thing. And what Colin does is he does an opening of the box, he goes through all the bits and pieces, he programs the radio and gets it bind or bound to the actual heli. And then he goes and flies it around. He does a nice little 3D flight in his garage. In that teeny, teeny closet yeah. of a garage. Yeah. Oh, it, <laughs> yeah, was it's, it's like a one-car garage <laughs> yeah, or the one side of, of a two-car. <laughs> yeah. And then the nice part is at the end, he goes through all of the different menus on his 18MZ radio and shows you what he's got all the travel set at, the throttle curves, the pitch curves. Uh, expo so literally i mean you can you can take your radio and your unopened 150 box sit down and watch this eight minute video and by the end you're ready to go <laughs> do you want to know what i got the most out of that video what what was absolutely the when i after i was done the prevailing thought was what's that screw the 150 i want an atmz <laughs> 
<laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Are you kidding me, dude? That is awesome. With colored touchscreen. Oh. Oh, oh, my God. Jesus. It is nice. Oh, done. It's very nice. I agree with you completely. So, yeah. And, you know, the, the one cool thing that I got out of the video is just the, the effort that Align put into this little kit. I mean, you open the box. The box, the top kind of slides off. And the heli's sitting right there, strapped down to a little plate. It even has a, an Align foam blade holder. So, I mean, yeah. seriously, that's that's pretty classy. Two sets it of blades. It comes with two sets of blades, right? A 3D set and then a little bit heavier, more stable sort of beginner sport flyer set. It comes with the standard arrangement of spare parts and so on and so forth. It comes with one battery. And that, you know... That surprised me, Dan. Did you know that battery was that beefy? It it did surprise me that it was. But everything about that heli is beefy, dude. The the like mini servos. Oh yeah, you know. Yeah, they're, yeah. It, it, I, I love the fact that they're not linear. I love that. Yeah, they're for. Yeah, for me, that's like. So you're saying everything looks beefy. That is the one hang up that I have before I'm going to buy this heli. Is I want to see. Make sure it's not. Is too this going to be? Well, no, is this going to be the type of heli that every single time those blades, you know, make contact with something, I'm wrenching on the thing. Oh, good point. Good point. Yeah, that's true. And if, you know, if it's if it's got the durability factor, I am all in on this heli. Guess what, Jesse? You won't have to wait long because Dan is going to contact <laughs> yeah. all sorts of shit with those blades. Dude. I am, dude. Learning yeah. how to fly that new radio. Absolutely, dude. And uh, I should have two of them coming, actually. So two of the helis. And when are they going to be here? That I've I started to see people post on Facebook that they've gotten theirs. And I I can't help but wonder are those are those aren't in the states yet, right? I mean, other than like factory pilots uh, or team pilots. You know what? That's a good point. Yeah, I, I, I don't I think know. Because so. I have noticed some some uh, videos from I guys that I believe are uh, like in the UK, maybe New Zealand, but not in the states. Other than your team guys, right? Yeah, right. right. Um, I don't know. And to be honest with you, I don't know. I don't know even if I'm in. I mean, I know I've paid the pre-order, but I don't think we're those of us who did the pre-order with HeliDirect are going to know until the 15th because it all depends upon how many kits they get in. Oh, you mean whether you got in on the first match. Right, right, right. Uh, did you pay for it in full or did you no, just they, pay like a... Just the $20 deposit. But okay. I'm still going to get it, and then um, i got to get off my ass and get in touch with Ken to see if I can get on his list. Um, I would assume a lot of people have, so there's a high likelihood that um, I'm going to put a pre-order in with both, and I'm going to get – if I'm still going to buy each of them. Um, if I don't particularly like the heli or if I figure out one's enough, I'm going to do something special with the second one, so – Cool. Stay tuned for that. Who knows? Nice. Awesome. Okay, so the guys over at RC Groups, Chris Mulcahy, I'm sure a lot of people know that name, did an awesome review on the Thunder Tiger Raptor E700. No, it's not a new heli. It's been out for a bit, but there's been a lot of buzz surrounding it. We all know Nick has a hard-on for it. (laughs) May eventually get one. I'm going to go ahead and bet that by the end of 2014, he will have 
owned an E700. He may not still have it. But and he's going to have an autograph picture of Nick Maxwell, too. He he will. He will. Absolutely. No, he's going to have an autograph on the canopy. There you go. Oh, an autographed yeah. canopy. There yep. you go. So, I mean, Chris does a really great job with reviews. Uh, like all the other reviews that he does, it's super detailed. The standard intro, what's in the box, how to set it up, some flight uh, flight video and and explanation of how it flies. But what I like about this particular review is that for certain portions of the build, he has video links of Nick Maxwell explaining certain things. So he's got a Nick, Nick Maxwell explains how to set bevel gear mesh, uh, explains a clean way for bell crank bearing installation. Let's see, what's the other one? How to easily set the E700 herringbone main gear pinion. I mean... You know, pretty standard stuff for those of us who have been doing this for a while. But for the beginners or for the people that haven't dealt with, say, herring herringbone gearing, uh, it's it's actually pretty darn helpful. Up next, our friends in the UK, specifically Ben Varley of RCHA, has his yearly Christmas raffle for charity going. I think this is the second year that they're doing it. I'm not not completely sure on that. But basically what this is, is you buy a ticket or multiple tickets and 100% of the money that's raised goes to the Cancer Research UK Society. So it all goes towards a good cause. And then what they basically do is randomly pull ticket numbers on or around Christmas Day and then let you know what you got. The tickets they're on sale now. I'm going to I'm going to have a link in the show notes. It's over at rcheliaddict.co.uk forum. And the tickets are 5 pounds each or 5 for 20 pounds or 20 quid as Rachel says. <laughs> <laughs> so, now here's the deal. The prizes are freaking amazing. Yeah. There are, there's a list of 42 prizes in the thread on RC Heliatic. And we're talking like the Agile 7.2 kit, a bunch of 12S OptiPower stick packs. There are OptiPower RX packs. There's bottles of fuel. There's a Furion 6 kit, a Whiplash kit, Scorpion 160 amp high voltage speed controller. There are a bunch of, uh, tools and whatnot, Bavarian Demons throwing in a 3X system. Contronics got a Pyro and a Heli Jive in there. There's a Rave Ballistic, a Logo Kit, a Brain Flybarless system. I mean, just amazing prizes. Yeah. So if you think like, or if you feel like you're lucky, head over there and throw in a couple of bucks or quid or pounds or whatever the hell you call it <laughs> and pick up some tickets. Throw in some and money. So that's open can, to the, the, us in the States then? It is. Oh, it, it absolutely like is. It. So all you have to do is you you can email Ben at bdvarley at yahoo.co.uk or you if you go to this link, there's a link to PayPal. Um, and you can you can send it directly to that email address on PayPal, and you're ready to go. Sweet. Yep. <laughs> That's awesome. Keeping with what seems to be now a new tradition, Justin <laughs> the Gobbler Poochie 
is going to provide you with. <laughs> oh, you want to reword so, that? So don't you? Essay, yeah, you, might yeah, you know what? Simple. As it was coming out of my mouth, I was like, "Ooh, wait a minute." Here's the, here's the beautiful thing. I'm not editing that out. I know, I know. I I just shot myself in the foot. There. The gobbler poochie. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? I will take it over no fly, dude. I will take it over Are no you fly. Sure? Just don't yeah. throw in any choice nouns between the and gobbler. <laughs> okay, so I've got SAB news. One of our listeners. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. One, of, one of our listeners, Michael Darcy, I think is his name. He sent me an email this week, and and he had found a link to a Heli Freak post in the SAB forums about a 770 Goblin competition kit. So we were talking about, you know, I, I, I just bought the SAB 770. It was a killer price on Heli Direct during Black Friday, and I thought that has to mean there's there's an upgrade coming. And yeah. sure enough, there's an upgrade coming. <laughs> so the 770 competition kit, it's not out yet, but it's out on the SAB Italian site. You can go and take a look at it. It's like the other 630 and 700 competition series. The paint jobs are going to be very similar. I think it comes in green, orange, or red, and blue. Uh, and And I don't yet know what all of the upgrades are. There's nothing formal posted on that, but... I'm, I'm if I'm if I guess I'm going to say it's probably similar to the stuff that they do on the other competitions. So nothing crazy, but you know the big belt kit, some of the beefier parts, the new tail boom, the new tail drive system, or I'm sorry, tail rotor, and they're actually going to be revealing it or have by now. By the time you hear this, it will have been revealed at OHB. So there's actually a hmm. picture in this thread of a 770 competition at OHB. One of the blue ones on the bench, and then one of the red or orange versions in flight. So, if you're interested in the competition in the big size, it's coming. And I bet you it's going to come with a pretty beefy price, too. We'll see what happens (laughs) there. All right, news of the week. You ready for this one? Dan, I know Dan's ready for this. Oh, yeah, dude. Okay. So, Alias. They have been doing some design work. And a bunch of people have been trying to guess what it is. And they have finally posted it in their timeline on Facebook. There's a 3D solid model image of a Nitro. No? No excitement at all? Mm. <laughs> oh, dude. Man. <laughs> this was my news of the week. Uh, no? I mean, here's your chance, yeah. man. Yeah. This is You're how it's going to happen. Over. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen in the next 12 years or 12 months <laughs> of your life. Okay. okay. All right. You've got the rush coming. Right. You're going to build it and maiden it. You're going to love it so much that you're going to sell the 700 electric a line. Buy a second one, stretch that to 750, and then sell both of your nitro aligns and get two of these. No? And go. Mm. Mm. Okay. Well, see, he hasn't actually flown the rush yet. I haven't so. flown the rush, but I I have looked at the 
photos or the the drawings. I gotta. I don't know if you guys know this, but I am actually pretty sure by spring I will have a synergy nitro. Oh, okay. Uh, now, that okay, route. that's that's a good point. The N7 is a pretty sexy looking machine, dude. Yeah. So I I I don't blame you. I I. But but keep this keep this in mind. Oh, absolutely, dude. <laughs> I look. I had an outrage and I loved it. Right. At the time, well, let me rephrase that. I didn't necessarily love it, but I did like it. At the time, I was way anti-electric. Mm-hmm. And so yep. I just insisted on it. And I had the opportunity to trade it for a, for a ready-to-fly Nitro 700, dude. Oh, yeah, yeah, true. So I did that. Um, I have no doubt I'm going to like this, Elise. And I got to tell you, it with a, with a Nitro, who knows, man? Who knows? Yeah, I mean, I, Charlie doesn't do bad designs, no. generally. No. I mean, he's well known for putting together solid, well-thought-out, innovative stuff. And, you know, the picture that you can see here on the Facebook post, it doesn't really give you any detail no, other than a big, fat, blue nitro engine and, like, the clutch and main gear system. And there's a little but of I'm sure it's logo on nice. it. Yeah. <laughs> so. so we'll see what happens. I bet you that's going to be coming out right around mid-spring right before the main season hits yeah if it hopefully if it can i don't know you know here's one thing that might help me decide that is if it can come out earlier yep maybe but to get ready for the season i would like to have everything going uh ready what i'm going to be flying for the year probably by march you know when the weather starts to break yeah that's fair and i'm not real big i'll give you another thing that might entice you oh i bet that a lot of the parts are going to be interchangeable that is, between the Rush and the yeah, Nitro. That is definitely because a plus. Charlie's all about modularity, and so if if you like the Rush, that could be one more thing to push you over the edge. There is one thing that you do need to know, and you probably do already know okay. this. I will never get rid of my Nitro seven hundred electric. Never. <laughs> no, I love that helicopter, dude. I love it. Okay. That's fair. But that doesn't mean I won't try new <laughs> shit. So we'll see. Yeah. Sweet. Well, that's that's all I've got for news. Jesse, Anyone you else? got any news? Nothing this week. I don't really have any news, but I'm just going to do kind of a quick reminder about this Canon event, just because it's going to be kind of a cool thing, uh, that uh, aerial cinematography thing. I mentioned it last week. Just going to mention it real quick. No real big details. December 14th, uh, 10 to 3 p.m., Robert Rodriguez, Lucian Miller, Greg Alderman, Rich Hansen, and Steve Bunning are going to be there. They're going to be doing presentations. So if you happen to be in the area, be sure to check that out. I think it's going to be worth your time. All right, guys, this week's news has been brought to you by HeliDaily.com, your daily RC helicopter news magazine. I have to admit that now that I've had my goblin for a couple months, it's really kind of starting to grow on me, with the exception of one thing, loading the batteries. The guys at KDE, they addressed this issue. They made a removable battery tray. If you've got a Goblin, this is your number one must-have upgrade. That sounds good, Nick. And if you're interested in any of the other upgrades that KDE has, visit their webpage at www.kdedirect.com. 
So this week we are going to talk a little bit about, we've done it before, but it just seems timely and seasonally because we talk about cold weather flying and, and in particular what to look out. Before we get into that, um, as you guys know, we talked about tails last week and we had a question that I just wanted to kind of go over uh, real briefly uh, from a listener on our forums uh, from Darkside3D, he goes by. Uh, so I'm going to read this post. It's real quick, and we're just going to kind of we're going to break this topic down to a pretty elementary level. May feel like some of you guys out there that it's uh, obvious stuff, but to a lot of guys who are new, some of this stuff isn't so obvious. So he goes, "Hey guys, good show today. Um, you guys touched on tails today, but my question is, what happens when a tail does blow out, mechanically and otherwise? Is it the gyro? Uh, I know it sometimes it can be only the tail." But I've only had the tail blow out uh, 45 degrees on me on one of my 500s with a torque tube. Uh, doing a high-speed tail-first inverted hurricane. Didn't panic, was able to keep it under control. I don't understand how a blowout works, so if you could clarify, that would be fantastic. First of all, Justin and Jesse, let's go over what is a tail blowout. Jesse, you want to hit that one? You're the hardest flyer of us all, so you've probably <laughs> experienced many more tail blowouts than the rest of us. Um, yeah, I would say a few, but there's definitely a lot of different levels at which this can happen. You know, there's, I think we've mentioned on the show before, where you can have a complete blowout, which is much, you know, like like you had mentioned in the email, you had a 45 degree blowout. Now imagine it maybe does a complete pyro, as in you have no tail control until it comes all the way back around and then maybe locks back in, maybe doesn't. And then there's also... I mean, it, it can vary all the way down from, you know, just little kicks and you can tell you're just right on that edge of starting to lose tail authority. Maybe the rudder isn't quite responding mm-hmm. um, as it normally would and whatnot. So it can it can vary quite a bit. And how do you so like when that happens, what do you usually do <laughs> to recover control? So I well, usually I, you know, try to let the heli coast a little bit, don't. Like like you also mentioned in the email, don't panic right away because typically the, the uh, gyro will take back over and catch up and your tail control will come back. So it's usually best to kind of, I guess, ride it out for back, lack of better words. But when you ride it out, you don't want it. So if you're usually this happens right when you're really digging into the sticks, when you're really pushing the heli hard. And when you ride it out, you kind of want to ride it out at a low or no load <laughs> condition. Or else it's not going to come back, right? Yep. yep. So you want to go back to neutral, right? Yeah. Yeah. In the safest and most effective yeah, way possible, exactly. right? I mean, when you're in the middle of a high-speed, low-altitude hurricane, the minute the tail blows out, you don't just go straight to neutral and let it fall to the ground. Yeah. You got to do some. You don't. You got to do some adjustment. Although the tail here, would but recover, but it oh, it would recover. It would come you'd to have a bigger stop, problems. wouldn't it? <laughs> you might have bigger issues then. Yeah, but be, okay. So I want to tell me, guys, what is happening when when you blow out? Is it a too high of a load condition and it's what the tail isn't spinning at its regular rate so it's just too slow to handle the torque of what's happening to the heli what what's physically happening to the heli on a blowout 
Yeah. Okay. So it it's it's pretty straightforward, and we'll we'll try to keep it simple. We know that the way the heli works is when we apply a load via the motor to the main shaft to spin the the rotor. There is a counter torque that occurs that makes the body of the heli want to spin in the opposite direction. The tail's there to stop that. Okay. That counter torque, the amount of torque that the heli sees varies with the load. It changes as you change collective. It changes as you change head speed, et cetera, et cetera. What happens in a tail blowout is, so you've set your, your gyro system or your fly barless system to a certain gain. And remember, there are two parts to the gain. There's the electronic side of things, which is in the fly barless system. There's also how much leverage do you get out of your mechanical system, and that's ball to center distance on the servo horn, as well as the bell crank linkages leading up to the tail case. When when your tail blows out, what happens quite simply is the amount of torque that's being put on the on the heli exceeds the amount of counter torque that the the tail system can provide to keep the tail in one place. So when you adjust your gains inside your fly barless system, those gains affect a number of different things. And, and among others, they affect how quickly does the tail pitch change to adjust to this, this new torque and how much does it change. And so if your tail gain's too low or if your ball to center distance is too low or a combination of the two, then when you go to put this huge load on the heli, the tail does its best within the bounds that you've given it electronically and mechanically. And once it gets to that level, it just blows out. And and the extent to which it blows out is just a function of how bad off you are mechanically and electrically or electronically gain-wise. Does that make sense? It absolutely makes sense. So tell me this, um, for a new guy mm-hmm. that is building his first, say, 700 helicopter, mm-hmm. or even maybe in his, his first 500, what, the, I'm, I'm guessing that the manufacturers have put a lot of thought into this, into where the the ball should be on the servo horn uh, to give you the proper geometry for, mm-hmm. for the resolution on the servo. Yep. Now, let's... Should, should a new person just pretty much rely on that from a from a standard position? I'm assuming as you get better, you start to realize the little differences, and maybe then you can start tooling around with, you know, I think maybe I'll move that out a little bit. Because I know Nick was mentioning, not to pick on Blade, but it was an issue that he noticed in the manual. And um, I guess the question I have, do you suppose a new flyer would be able to still use that setting and not necessarily have issues Whereas Nick is a little more experienced, and he noticed, obviously because he's doing a little more advanced, well, quite a bit more advanced maneuvers, he noticed that he needed to adjust that. And, and my concern for a new guy is he hears us talking about finding the optimal distance and the optimal mechanical gain, and I'm guessing just use the manual settings. I mean, that's the best advice right off the top of the bat. I, I think... To start out, that's the case, Dan. I think most kit manufacturers have played around with it enough to be able to provide 
close to the optimal ball to center distance for your mechanical. Yeah, for for now, newer guys. Here, here's the thing, though. It's not just the mechanical, right? It's also the fly barless system. And so different fly barless systems are different. They they can handle different things. They have larger or smaller ranges of of comfort in in terms of comfort zone uh, for control. And so my recommendation is set the kid up with the ball to center distance that is recommended in the manual. Then when you go through your fly barless programming, usually most of these fly barless systems have a way of telling you whether you are in the right range of mechanical gain or throw because you have these tail sliders, right? Where you set what the left and right throws are inside the fly barless system, not on your radio, your radio endpoints are a hundred and a hundred. And then you go in and you adjust a slider or a number, or maybe you have to click a little up and down arrow, whatever it is, depending on the system to set the endpoints physically, like where does your slider hit the case and where does your slider hit the hub and then back off from both a little bit. Right. When, when those numbers, so for example, if the number in the fly barless system is too low and it'll tell you what too low is, then it usually means you've got too much mechanical gain or mechanical advantage and you want to bring your ball to center distance in. If your, your number in your fly barless system is too large, then it means the opposite. You don't have enough ball to center distance and you've got to adjust it. And so the combination of those two is, is really what the beginner and, and quite frankly, what all of us do that are more advanced pilots to make sure that we've got it set up correctly. That makes it so much easier. And I guess the moral of the story is based on which unit you're using, you're, you might need to find somebody in your local area or on the forums that is very versed in that particular unit. But I can tell you, I remember the days when we didn't do fly barless and, and that whole concept was a little more obscure in, in finding the proper uh, you know, mechanical uh, gain versus mm-hmm. your gyro settings. And for a new person, it, it might seem a little overwhelming because you've got it's tough for someone to ask a specific question unless the people you are asking are very versed in, in your very specific setup. So keep that yep, in mind, guys. Your kit and your fly barless yeah, system. So for those of you who are wondering about that, just keep that in mind. Um, you know, guys, you might be able to send Nick or Justin or Jesse a question, but they need to know what you're dealing with. And you might need to find somebody that is in your area or on the forums that is using your setup to make it a little easier on yourself. Yep. Yep. I agree. The information's there. It's just sometimes tough. Tough to sort through it all, that's for sure. So I just I wanted to go over that a little bit uh, for Darkside 3D because I know he was kind of curious about that. And, uh, thanks for submitting that question, Darkside 3D. And uh, by all means, guys, uh, feel free to post questions like that. We go through the forum all the time. And if we see a question that that uh, could use a little discussion, we'll, we'll take the time to do that. You know, Justin, I might be just a tad bit bias, but I couldn't help but notice that Helipros has the new miniature aircraft 700EX in stock. You're absolutely right, Nick. 
And it's good to know that not only is the heli made in the USA, but it's backed by the awesome support that we know and love from the guys at helipros.com. And remember, fly hard. Helipros has the part. So Burr, right? <laughs> Burr. Burr indeed. <laughs> yes. First of all, my solution to this weather, flying in this weather, is just don't do it. <laughs> Just don't, just don't do it, man. What what's that's the really threshold a though? Dude, what's the threshold? Like what what is your below um, below that temperature you're not going to do it, Dan? My threshold is about 25 degrees and there's got to be sun and very very to little <laughs> wind. If there's a little wind, it's got to be 35 or better. I just I do not do well in cold weather. I don't at all. I, I really, when it comes to weather, cold weather, I'm a puss, man. You know, uh, so this isn't I, happening. Yeah, I just, I, I we need a, we need a new acronym for you. You're a cold weather pussy. I am, dude. CWP. I think Nick and I kind of both are when it comes to that. You know. Oh yeah, uh, but Nick, Nick. Now hold on, <laughs> we we can we can be a little honest here because he's, he's not here to defend himself, right? Nick is a particularly big pussy when it comes to cold temperatures. <laughs> I mean I mean come on, we were at our fun fly and it was like in the what? 40s and he's got his his hoodie on and a jacket and pants and I mean <laughs> it was cold though. Yeah. I I don't know, man. I uh it's all relative, I guess. One nice thing is I do have my trailer and if I it gets bad enough, I can crank the heat up in there. Um, That's true. But I mean, get out of the weather. Get out of the weather for a little bit. But you know, everybody knows. You know, we've told the story many times about me driving to the field and sitting in the truck for three hours and not even getting out and just mm-hmm. <laughs> pull it out and going home. <laughs> I I have great intentions. You know, I look at the weather, especially midwinter, and there's you know a foot of snow on the ground. Not a big deal. Look at the weather. It's like okay, so. It's going to be 35 or 37. Looks like the sun's going to be out. And I get all excited. I get I get ramp, ramped up. I'm like, dude, I'm going to fly this weekend. And I get out there, and <laughs> it's inevitable. I start pulling my shit out, and I'm like, you know what? Screw this. It is, it's just not comfortable. So I say my threshold is, is relatively low, about 25, provided there's sun. But I have to be super motivated. Like maybe mm-hmm. if I know people are going to be coming, I know there's going to be other people out that might entice me to stick around. That but, makes sense. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so I know Justin, you've got some unique techniques, uh, heating pads and the such that you use for batteries and all <laughs> that good stuff. We've made fun of you for that several times. Yep. Uh, Jesse, you've got your, your, your glove, by the way, have you had a chance to, to really give your new glove a workout? Um, I have I haven't. Um, I haven't even used it since since the last time I talked about it. Still sitting here ready to go. I'm looking forward to that review. I am too. Because I'm eyeing that glove, man. The thing about cold weather is it's easy to make yourself feel reasonably comfortable, but it's all about your hands. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't. It can actually be fairly nice, forty degrees uh, for a winter day, which is very nice weather. But if the wind is blowing onto your hands, 
it can turn a otherwise nice day into an absolute shitty day. That for me Very is quickly. the key, Dan. I mean, I, I think you and I are really similar. My threshold for pain is right about the low twenties. I, I can go out if it's sunny and there's no wind. And in low twenties with a propane heater or with a heating pad or, you know, being able to jump in my car in between flights, I'm perfectly fine. And in fact, that's what I did all Thanksgiving week. You know, it was low twenties to thirties. I think maybe one day around noon or one o'clock, it got up to 40 ish. But other than that, lower than twenties or any of the twenties, thirties, sometimes even forties, because around here we get some pretty decent wind. You know, it's either not windy at all, or it's 10, 15, 20 mile an hour wind. And sometimes it's gusty, but most of the time it's just steady. And that just sucks the energy <laughs> it out does, of me. It does, dude. I mean, yeah. it's not even about my fingers at that point. It's it's just about, keep, I mean, how do you keep your nose warm? That's the worst part for me, honestly. I mean, I can put a beanie hat on and a hoodie and, and layer everything oh, yeah. up, and I can stay reasonably warm for a five or six minute flight. But it, it, with with the radio glove, too. But the nose, man. And you're not just... you're not going hardcore enough. I have the uh the full mask like you would wear for skiing, you know, where it has the spot out oh, for the goggles. Dude. Just throw I didn't that on. Think of that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That's a okay. that's a very good solution for keeping the nose warm. I picked that up before last winter. Works great. You know, the the other thing I find, and this may be different over in Montana, I'm not sure if it is in Pullman, Jesse, but over here in western Washington, everything's always wet yeah. for obvious reasons. Even during the winter, right? We get rain all winter long. And so very seldom do I go to the field and find the grass is dry. And and also when people aren't flying all that often, the grass doesn't get cut. And so I was out there last week and the grass was probably, I don't know, four, six inches in certain places. And it's all wet. It's got dew on it. The ground's soaked. And so I usually wear like, you know, regular running shoes or trail running shoes, sneakers, whatever you want to call it. And those, they've they've got the fabric that let your feet breathe. What it also does is let all the moisture get in. (laughs) Yes. And that's the worst, dude. I mean, I have turned around and gone home because I had wet socks. Yeah, it's horrible. Yeah. Yep. So now what I do is I've got I've, I think I've mentioned before, my wife and I are into mountaineering and climbing and I've got big, thick winter weather mountaineering boots that are waterproof all around. And so I go to the field and pop on big, soft, fluffy, like climbing socks and these boots and my feet are perfectly fine from there on out. Hmm. I've done the same thing. We, you know, I've got here in Montana, we, you know, I've got hunting boots that generally are good. Uh, I I was a bow hunter, so we didn't really do a lot of winter uh, snow type hunting. You know, bow season is is September. It's still relatively nice, but you've Mm -hmm. got, I've got a good set of boots that I used to use for that. The problem is, is they're not really designed. And it's not that we have wet like you do because it's raining. It's just that with the snow, inevitably, you know, the shit starts to melt onto your boots, starts to kind of seep through. What I did this year uh, is I went and bought 
uh, you guys are familiar with the Sorel boots, those big, you oh, yeah. yeah, they're yeah. like super warm. If you, you got to take the liner out every time you use them, right? To let the they're liners all rubber dry. coated on the outside, aren't they? Oh yeah, dude. Perfect. Because if your feet get cold, it's over. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it's, it's, you're yeah. done. There's no, there's up, no recovering home. from that. Yeah, I agree completely. That yeah, and no, so those are my two big things: is the nose and the feet. <laughs> so what I find is it'll drop down, and the ground will you know completely freeze. Maybe there's snow on it. Maybe there's no snow, but we'll have this sub freezing temperature for maybe weeks, uh, weeks at a time in a row, and then all of a sudden it'll warm up to maybe thirty two, thirty five, maybe even up to forty degrees. And then the ground will turn into like this sponge. <laughs> and so I find it gets really, really muddy over here. So muddy that the field that I fly, you have to drive like a mile down a gravel road to get to it. I'll actually have to turn like four wheel drive on my truck just to get back. Oh, there. damn. I mean, seriously, you'll literally I actually got Kayla's car stuck um, a, two years ago at the at the field because you get kind of off the center of the road and it literally just sunk Sucks the car in, right down yeah. to the running boards. Yep. Yeah. So I find, you know, my feet get wet, but they also get extremely muddy and you set anything down on the, uh, down on the ground and it just gets, yeah, it gets really dirty and muddy. Yeah. Is it so muddy that when you set the heli down, the skids sink into the mud? Yeah. So the, I mean, it actually gets muddy the, over here, but not like the, what you're uh, describing. The vibration from spooling up. So like for one, a nitro, it's obviously vibrating the entire time. It's just sitting there idling. Mm-hmm. That'll kind of start sinking it in. <laughs> but then just from spooling up like an electric, you'll take off and then like pieces of mud will fall off the skids right when you leave the ground. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. I actually also this year, just uh, just recently, just last week, I went and bought two pairs of like these really thick thermal pants. Mm-hmm. In preparation for the new radio, and I really am looking forward to some flying. So I'm, I think I'm a little more prepared for it. Um, I did get a propane heater. I've got the tank, so I just got the heater ah, top. Sweet. Now, did you get a single one or the double? I got the single. That's what nice. I got. Yeah. I was reading a post by Ed. Apparently, he got a double. So if we end up doing some flying, uh, we'll have mine and his. So, yeah. They're set. You should That'll put one out nice. near you while you're flying. <laughs> nice. You know, the, the thought had crossed my mind that if more than one person was going to be out there, you know, more than just me, that a couple of us should pitch in for one of those like forced air heaters. You know, I have the one of the yeah. ones where yeah. it's like a huge, it almost looks yep. like a mini jet engine. Yep. Yep. Oh, that would be awesome, dude, dude. That's what I have under my house when my water freezes. Oh, seriously? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah. It, you know, you got to take care of yourself physically um, to enjoy the winter flying. But we've gone over this before, and we're just going to kind of cover some of it again. You know, things to consider with your heli. Because, you know, let's face it. These helis... Um, I don't know that they're really designed to fly in zero degrees, right? I mean, things change. Properties of the plastic change. Mm. And yep, the chemical balance in the batteries are probably different. And, and things, you know, things happen a little bit differently. So let's go over some of that. First, let's talk about batteries because I'm relatively new to the electric thing. I've been, you know, I've had a few, but I'm not real versed in them. So give me some considerations, guys. When I'm going into this cold weather... First of all, just maintaining the batteries and how do I, how do I make sure that I'm getting the most out of them and not doing any damage to the batteries? Or 
Could I even do damage to the batteries? You can definitely do damage. I I mean, the, the biggest thing with batteries is the temperature. Because below a certain temperature, the capacity of the battery drops off. And so, and I, you know, I never remember the temperature. We can look up the curve and post it on the forums or something like that. But if you look at it, it's, it starts at around room temperature, a little bit higher at a hundred percent. And then as you get down in the forties, it starts dropping off a couple of percent here or there. And then I think once you get below freezing or somewhere in that range, it drops off pretty drastically. So the problem with that is that if, if you're not preheating your batteries and you're not flying them hard enough to keep them internally heated just from discharging, then you if you go out there and you fly your normal flight for the normal flight time and you don't take into consideration the temperature effects, then you could unknowingly over-discharge your packs. Okay, so you do need to decrease your flight times in the winter. Yeah, and, and another thing, so yes, definitely... I would say if you're not, you know, keeping your batteries up above that temperature, definitely decrease the flight time. But one way that I found to get around this is you got to remember that while you're flying the batteries, they'll also stay heated up. But then when you're done flying them, if you go ahead and throw them right on the charger, that will also help keep them up as you're pushing that current into Mm -hmm. them. So then I usually try to not give my batteries a huge amount of downtime when it's really cold out. It'll, you know, pretty much trying to fly back to back because usually I don't want to be out out at the field too long anyways. So that's usually not an issue. I haven't experienced, you know, that drop off in capacity nearly as much when I'm doing that. Ah, so tell me about charging considerations. I mean, can we still push these batteries as hard as we do in the summertime when charging or should we decrease the amps? On the charging side, like Jesse said, it warms the batteries anyway if you're pushing any considerable amount of current. And so that's not usually something that I bother with. I mean, if you're like me, I usually come to the field, at least on a cold weather day, I come to the field having done my homework. And what I mean by that is all my packs are charged and in my helis and ready to fly so that I can get as many flights in as possible before I freeze to death. And, and so I also do the back-to-back thing. And I don't like, Jesse, I don't even give them time. And, no. I, you know, if that affects the life of the pack, then so be it, because I'm not going to sit there and freeze. They literally come out of nope. the heli and go straight on the charger. Okay. Yep. Same thing here. So tell- And when I know that uh, I'm going to be... You know, let's say I I put a couple of flights on the gasser or the nitro, Dan, and my packs are backing up. They're all charged. They're just sitting there. What I usually do is I either bring a heating pad with me and keep them like up in the front seat wrapped in a heating pad on low, Mm -hmm. or I turn my car on and blast the heat. You you know what you do? You blast the heat on the the floor side of the vent so you can change your vent so that it blasts on your feet. Yeah. And then I just stick my packs down there by the gas pedal. Very good. Mm. Very good. So nice. are there any different considerations? Because I know, obviously, two different types of batteries. You got your RX packs, and these these don't necessarily, the performance isn't as intense with a with an RX pack. Are we, are we thinking about, are we doing anything different with the RX packs? I don't do anything different. Yeah. And that's just because I run my RX packs so conservatively. 
I mean, you know, people people use the the eighty percent rule on discharge for main packs. On my RX packs, I never get them that close. I at best I'm sixty, maybe seventy percent discharge ah. before I recharge them. So, but if you are the type of person that pushes them that hard, then think about maybe recharging it one flight earlier than you would usually. Gotcha, gotcha. Yep. So, what about uh, what about? mechanically on the helicopter i know we talked a little bit about the the belt tensioning last week and how the cold affects that but you know there's a lot of things to consider and you mentioned uh a little bit i think justin you mentioned your logos how things would break if you weren't careful Mm -hmm. you know we've got a lot of little plastic links things constrict and things get tight in the cold you know we got to keep these things in mind uh what about the pre-flight when you guys are when you guys are going to go into the cold temperature uh are you just is there something different you're doing with your pre-flight just to make sure those things are all right or what how are you maintaining the plastic links and all the little plastic parts that become a little more brittle yeah i think it depends on the heli it depends on the plastic what what i tend to do like the for example i'll I'll use the logo or not the logo the compass 7hv because i just crashed it as you guys know And what was particularly interesting about that crash is that the stuff that usually breaks might have gotten damaged, but the stuff that you would never imagine breaking came apart like like crazy. And what I mean by that is (laughs) I toe-picked this thing. Guess what broke on the tail boom, Jesse? Those stupid uh, plastic rod guides. (laughs) Now, come on. I mean, seriously... They, they, the rod guides broke because on the 7HV, they're plastic, but I'm flying in 20 degree temperature. And guess what? I've got the, they're, for those who don't know, they're clamshells, right? So they've got a little split in them and you slide them down over the, the boom. And then they've got a bolt hole and you run an M3 screw through it with a, a little nylock nut on the other side. And that tightens down uh, at the back portion of the boom that holds the boom supports on and in place. And then on the front portion, it's just a guide for the for the the tail control rod. Well, I have those tightened according to the ductility and the dimensions of the plastic at normal temperatures, mm-hmm. you know, at room temperature, 60, 70 degrees, because that's what I usually fly in. That's what I usually build in. Well, now you go and drop that temperature by 40 or 50 degrees Fahrenheit and that same tension becomes a problem because the plastic shrinks. And so now there's a lot more stress on the plastic. And in this particular case, I'm not complaining because when I toe picked it, other than bending the boom, all it did was snap the the plastic guides and I didn't actually bend my boom supports which is good because Uh every compass crash I've ever had, I bend the boom supports. Yep. But what, what you want to look for, Dan, uh, uh, getting back to the pre-flight question is you want to look for plastic parts that are in tension or, or compression or under stress, you know, a, a link itself. Yeah. It might get a little bit more brittle, but I don't usually bother with the links unless they're in bad condition to begin with. At which point you should replace them anyway. Right, right. What I look for are like boom clamps 
the rod guides like we're talking about on the on the aligns they have plastic rod guides i think a lot of helis have plastic rod guides um also uh skids skids get really brittle and depending on how they're attached to the bottom of the heli those can be a problem as well what i'll do is go and back off my screws maybe by a quarter or a half a turn so that if i do have a rough landing in an auto or something happens it's it's not already under so much stress because of the shrinkage that something breaks that should you know guys one of the best things about being in our position is the ability to give back to our listeners and lucky for us gen zace batteries shares the same ideas just for you they're offering a 10 percent discount code on all their batteries that's right, guys. So head over to www.hobbyparts.com, enter in the code RCHN10 at checkout to get that 10% discount on your next order. Do you guys let your heli sit out and acclimate to the cold? Or do you just dive right in and start flying? Yeah, mine kind of automatically sit out because they oh, ride they're in the near, back of the truck the all truck, the way yeah. through the field. Yeah. So. I do. I do for a couple of different reasons. One we we just talked about, which is all the all of the mechanics. I also do because of the electronics and in particular the gyros on the fly barless systems. A lot of them are a lot more robust to this nowadays or they're actually temperature compensated. But when you've got large swings and temperature like that, that can cause drift in certain electronic components and that that could manifest itself as weirdness uh, in the heli when you're flying and so yeah i mean I, I what i usually do is the helis are the first thing that come out of my car they sit there on the grass and they get acclimated to the temperature while i you know pull out all of my stuff my generator get the charging system set up the table the chair yeah. the heater we have friends all over the the listeners all over the world and we've ha- i i haven't had any yet this year uh i'm sure after this show we're gonna have some more uh we'll get pictures from some guys that live in like norway you know um <laughs> that are just absolutely making fun of us but i gotta ask you guys uh i know there are people out there that will fly no matter the temperature but do you suppose in your reasoning is there a temperature where you should just say not necessarily for yourself, but the helicopter, it's just too cold to fly it. Ooh, that's a good question. I don't know. I, You know, I think it, it, again, it goes back to what helicopter is it and what are the, what are all the bits and pieces made out of how it's designed? I'm going to guess that for most people, they're going to hit their comfort level long before the helicopter okay but stuff was stuff was getting pretty damn brittle with mine in the 20s so i i guess i probably wouldn't be comfortable flying much lower than that probably much lower than the teens i can't remember Hmm. where these guys were but i remember last year when we were talking this because this is a seasonal topic that needs to be addressed Mm -hmm. um i think it was 
Norway or somewhere like that where they were. Fl- Do you guys remember this? They were flying on a frozen lake. Oh yeah, and they yeah, sent yeah, us yeah, pictures, yeah. and it was mm-hmm. like literally below zero Fahrenheit. I mean, I mean, it was cold as shit. And they're like, "You guys are wimps." You know, they had their <laughs> their all of their batteries and like an electric, uh, co- uh, you know, the coolers that can either cool or heat. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, you know, they're like, "Come on, you can make this work if you want to." You know. If you really want to, yeah. <laughs> well, maybe then maybe that disproves what I just said. Maybe the helis can handle it without I, a problem. I, I just, mean, there's certainly got to be some yeah. adjustments that are made. Yeah, I personally, I mean, first of all, if I have to put my batteries in some type of device that needs to be plugged in or otherwise heat, <laughs> I'm not going to be out flying. You know what I mean? Uh, yep. But there are some hardy souls out there that absolutely do. <laughs> don't, They're don't, determined. Don't let the weather get in the way. I'm not one of them. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I am. I am absolutely. Uh, I will bow to the weather <laughs> very easily. <laughs> you give in way too easy. <laughs> like, yeah. I guess I'm not flying today. No, it's uh, man. I tell you, the, the weather is so tough. One thing that I don't, we don't really talk about much, but. I think it's kind of a, I don't know, I'd like to get your guys' thoughts on this. I think there's something to be said about winter in that it kind of it kind of rejuvenates you. You know what I mean? You can't fly as much. And then you go through these months and it just kind of builds that and that anticipation, right? The it's You start probably, thinking, yeah. I mean, I'm already... Enthusiasm, yeah. You know, I can remember, okay, when I first started going back to work, it's like, oh, I commuted 80 miles today. I really don't feel like bundling all my shit up and going to the field. But now it's like, dude, I, I get home at six. That's that's like three hours. I got plenty of time. And, you know, and now it's like, I think about it completely different. Of course, they may change when spring rolls around, but nonetheless, it still, it helps to revive the you know, the passion, the, the, the wantingness to go out and fly, because I don't know. I'm certainly not going to say that if I lived in a climate like those warm weather dicks do that allow them to fly all the time. Yeah. I think that would be awesome, but you still got to find, you know, there's got to be a balance, right? Well, and I also think Dan, that it's one of those things where because we get screwed for like six or eight months out of the year in winter, you're that much more determined and motivated to hit it hard when you do get back to it. Yeah, I think you know you're what right. I mean? Yeah. I, I mean, it, right. it's funny. Uh, I think Bodo said this. It may have been during our live show at Snohomish this year, or maybe he just said it on the sidelines, is that he loves coming up here to Washington for the Snohomish Fun Fly because up here we only get like two or three months of good flying weather. And we take advantage of that by having a damn good time yeah. and throwing down hard. And I think it does have that effect. Now, I'm not I'm not saying that if I was down in Florida, I wouldn't be flying every freaking weekend year round. But there I think there are, you know, there are pros and cons either way. Yeah. It does give you the opportunity though to to kind of relax and because you know how you get into the season, right? And 
it's like, oh, crap, there's a fun fly coming up in a week. I just crashed my heli. I got to get this thing put back <laughs> together. I got to remaiden it to make sure it's good. Oh, I got to get a, a parts order in just in case there's another crash. You got to keep things in stock. It's just everything's going a million miles an hour. And and in the winter, you don't get to fly as much. But in between flying, you've got a lot of time to to make sure the helis are all set to kind of do some stuff that you may have wanted to do during the season, yeah. but you didn't want yeah. to spend the time like a charging case or, you know, a toolbox or whatever it is. Yeah. That's kind of, that's actually what I was just going to say is I've been noticing lately, I've been taking the winter and I have some stuff that I want to get accomplished. Like for example, this winter, now that I have, you know, over a, a ton of flights on the seven HV, well over a thousand, it's like you look at the heli and stuff just needs to be, you know, when you get that new heli, it's all polished up nice, everything's shiny, and it just kind of looks a little bit dull now. So this winter, I'm hoping I can, you know, take literally every screw out of the heli, go through, repolish everything up, and then rebuild it from the ground up just to double check everything mechanically and to clean everything. Yes. That's exactly what I'm doing with my gasser. Jesse. And that's a great segue into the next next topic of this whole winter flying thing and and um you know we all kind of have those winter projects i'll just kind of let you guys know i'm sure you know already but i do have um my two cool power 700s those both have to be gone through completely same thing jesse i actually you know i do have a heater in my trailer but let's be honest it's just it's cold <laughs> you know what i mean mm-hmm. even with the heater in there yep. so i actually have reset up my uh, spare bedroom um, that I have here and I will be doing a lot of that stuff here in the house uh, once I'm able to. Now, I noticed towards the end of the flying season, the 700s, uh, there's some really slight little flight characteristics that, you know, I mentioned, <laughs> I mentioned the, some of the guys at the field noticed that like my tail boom seems to be kind of crooked. You know what I mean? And, and I like, yeah, it's a fly spine. Yeah, just, you know, a little, uh, little subtle bend little things in the like tail that. Yeah, just. And so now this is the time. This is the time to kind of go through. So I'm going to, I have every intention of going through both of my 700s, literally stripping them down completely, rebuilding the motors. And, you know, I'm, even as far as like maybe replacing the servos, because my God, how many flights, you know, every, you know, that stuff yeah. needs to be done. Relinking. Well, okay. And that's a good question, Dan. What? You're talking about, I mean, pulling it apart, right? And Jesse said that, I'm doing it with the gasser, but what do you really replace? Do you go through and say, you know, check all your bearings, and if the bearing feels okay, yep. you leave it? Or do you literally buy a full set of bearings, or say for the helis that have plastic torque tube gears, or, you know, the torque tube bearings themselves? I mean, where do you stop? Well, How far do you go? In the past, I have just replaced what I've deemed necessary, but I I think I don't necessarily worry about like the torque tube gears, the main gears if that stuff looks all right. I and the uh this year I'm not going to worry about those, but I am going to get two complete bearing sets uh and I'm going to replace there you go. whether they feel good or not. If they feel good, like they're still good, I'm going to keep them. As a spare. As a spare. Yep. But I'm going to replace everything. I'm going to take the head down, strip the head down completely. Uh, new thrust bearings, I, I, I'll keep them if they're still good. 
just mm-hmm. so I have spares. But I really feel like if I go into the next season and I know that I've gone over those helis completely and they essentially will feel new again and I won't I just because you know especially in the late season you're like all you want to do is fly and you know that there's some nagging issues that necessarily aren't <laughs> vital to the Absolutely. safety of the heli but you're like I just don't I don't want to to deal with that I don't want to deal yep. with it now's the time I don't even have time yeah now you know now we can take advantage of this <laughs> it just gives you peace of mind coming into the yeah into the season i mean the worst thing is the the weather comes back it's great and beautiful you get back into the season and then you've got mechanical issues with all your helis cuz they've been sitting in the garage for the last 6 months that's not how you want to start your season yeah one thing i didn't do this year which i've done every year prior in the winter and and the reason i didn't do it is because my flying ended so abruptly i usually every winter my motors i will put automatic transmission fluid through them oh yeah i remember you mentioning that do you remember that i will take the back plate off and throw about you know three cc's of automatic transmission fluid in and spin the motor a few times i didn't do that this year so (laughs) being that those motors have not been touched for, for quite some time and this is why i'm thinking it's just rebuild time to be honest with you uh, because i don't just necessarily start yeah. from beginning. i don't necessarily i've never had any problem with the cool power um you know as far as uh rust or anything like that but it's time i mean jesus i i think we figured it up and i can't remember where where we ended but it was something like 18 cases of fuel this summer yeah oh yeah, that's the number. Yeah. I remember that. I mean, <laughs> that's a lot of fuel. That's man. a that's a lot yeah. of fuel. Um, that's uh, eighteen cases of fuel. Uh, went through three motors. Um, that's seventy two gallons of is that, fuel power. Did you have to rebuild any of those motors during that, or that's the same ring, the same everything? No, the there were three rebuilds. So there was uh, okay. there was a new motor at the beginning of the season, a rebuild on one. And then another new motor that hasn't been rebuilt but needs to be rebuilt. Gotcha. Um, so they're they're both in need of rebuilding. That's a lot of fuel, and I'm sure the bearings are looking like shit. Uh, I'm sure. Oh my gosh! But you know it needs to be done, and and this is a perfect opportunity for that kind of stuff. And then on top of that, I've got a couple new helis that need to be finished. Um, the Align 700E and. Uh, now the rush coming in, and uh, I'll be busy. Uh, the only problem I'm having right now is physically doing it, which kind of sucks. I really want to get my charging case finished. Uh, you know, there's just a lot of things that need to be done, and, and this is the time to do it, right? Winter time. I agree. Yep. What other projects, Justin, do you have going on? I one? have. Well, so we already talked about the gasser that's going to get torn apart like Jesse said, literally down to nuts and bolts and rebuilt. The compass is going to get something similar, but not quite as bad. Really, the only reason the compass is coming apart is to to take its servos for the 770 and put lesser servos in there, the smaller MKSs. And let's see, the 770, that's the obvious big project. That guy is going to be going together in the next couple of months. 
super excited about that one. Then right now what I'm working on is, you know, I this charging case thing, it kills me because I go through these phases where I see someone come up with a great charging <laughs> case like Nick or Chris or pretty much anyone else out there but me. And yeah. I get motivated and I think, you know what, screw it. I'm just going to buy the charging case. I'm just going to drop the whatever it is, eight or nine hundred bucks at Progressive RC and get the thing ready to run. And then I start thinking and I get back to the place where it's like, well, no, 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 dude, I can do that. I can do that. I've got the skills. It's not that difficult. Well, that's where I run off the road, because if I just sat down and got all of the bits and pieces that everyone else uses, like the 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 what are they called? The Pelican style cases and the custom deck lid, it would turn out great. But what I do is I try to be different for whatever reason and do my own thing. <laughs> so recently, of course, recently I found this. You guys have seen it. Yeah. It's a red metal yep. craftsman yeah. toolbox. Yeah. Okay. It's got three drawers and like a top thing. And over the last couple of weeks, I've sort of updated that a little bit before it just had a bunch of tools thrown in it. Now I've actually got foam in the top compartment. And that's where I put my radio and my laptop and my iPad and my mouse and, you know, all the, the critical stuff. And then in each of the drawers, I've got I got tools in one drawer. I've got electronic stuff like, uh, I don't know, uh, let's see here, like the Multigov programmer, like uh-huh. uh, the the Scorpion ESC programmer, a couple of different USB connectors for the Flybarless systems or the Castle ESCs. And then in the next drawer, I've got like lube and glue, you know, CA, Loctite, zip ties, sticky tape, all that kind of stuff. And so I I actually went out and got a second one that I I wasn't necessarily (laughs) saying I was going to use the crafts, the second craftsman for helis as well, because it's just it's such a great toolbox. I can use it around the garage and it'll help me organize stuff. This one actually has four drawers. So I start looking at it and I'm like, wait a minute. These these HPS power supplies are awesome and they're small. Yeah. And I can fit them in the top of this craftsman case where like, you know, you open the clamshell lid and it fits down there in that little cavity. So right now I'm in the process of prototyping out a charging case that basically uses one of these craftsman craftsman deals. And what I've got is, you know, before I go out and buy the hard plastic and do all the custom deck lid stuff, what I tend to use, and this this is a good tip for other people that want to play with it, I go to Home Depot and I go to the aisle where you can buy like the for sale signs and stuff like that. And you know how like, you know, the for sale by owner or whatever signs come in this, it's like corrugated plastic. It's kind of like a... yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Half plastic, half rubber, and it's multi-layered. Right. This stuff's perfect because it's really stiff, but you can cut through it really easily with like an X-Acto knife. And so I, I'm prototyping my deck lid with that thing, and I've got a 12-volt and a 24-volt tap on it, and the power supplies sit side by side and Velcro underneath it, and then that whole thing slides into the top, 
and the charger sits on top of that. And then in the real version, it'll have a fan on one side and each drawer. So the drawers, what I'm going to do is probably drill through the top, uh, the, the, the floor of the top compartment so that my charge leads and balance leads can go through a hole with some grommets down into those drawers. And oh, then I just open the drawer nice. and I stick the battery packs in, on top of one of the drawers and plug them into the balance taps and the probably like a parallel charging board sort of thing. And then the mm-hmm. other drawers I use for other equipment for charging, right? You know, my uh, gotcha. my cell checker, other charging boards. Like Nick was talking about the whole, what are those things called? The ones at Progressive RC where they're modular, where you can plug in yeah. the charge thing into the parallel board. Mm-hmm. And just sort of carry all that stuff in the other drawers. So that's what I'm working on right now. I, it feels like it's working. It, it feels like <laughs> it's going to be a good solution. It's probably not going to be as sexy as your guys with the, you know, the custom plastic cases. But I, I'm going to try to make it work. Yeah. <laughs> so, Jesse, you're going to rebuild your compass this winter? Yep, so I'm hope you know gonna tear down the seven HV and uh, go through and not only replace parts that are broken, but also polish and you know get out the uh, mother's mag and aluminum polish and the uh, okay. So you cloth. really mean polish? Though. Yeah, oh, I'm not. I, I'm I not doing that mean Go back through the metal part. I mean, this thing looks old. Like yeah. It it needs a it needs a facelift. It needs to look new again. Okay. Yeah. So I'm I'm literally going through it that thoroughly, um, and I'll probably do something similar to the warp. Um, you know that heli's year and a couple months old now and i've never completely retorn it back down and you know rebuilt it um so something similar there and then as i had mentioned on the show last week i did get some of those 900 watt power supplies um i haven't had a chance to mess with them too much yet but hope that that's my plan within the next couple weeks and i'm still undecided you know if i'm gonna go ahead and just give you know my uh current charging case the new power supplies or put together a new case and i think the main deciding factor will be if i find a new charger if i get a new i charger or whichever charger it may be that will probably mean a new case because then that's automatically a new deck lid and at that point i might as well just you know go with a new form factor and shrink the case up yeah and just make it a little bit more compact and lighter um so that is, you know, definitely on the list to go ahead and do the charging case. And then lastly, I I need to put, like Dan had mentioned, I still have the, so when I built the 7HV probably year and a half ago, maybe more, uh, year and, you know, six, seven months, I still have the original servos in the 7HV as when I built it. Yeah. And those are Futawa BLS 451s. They're still, you know, still going great. Actually, zero gear slop in the gears i've and i haven't actually ever stripped a single one of them out how many flights are on those that's impressive Uh, dude we probably don't want to know i'm (laughs) I'm probably guessing around 1500 plus wow 1500 oh yeah it's it's way up there holy shit dude and And uh, they're not sloppy at all not at well didn't you feel them at the one fun fly? Because we were discussing how the seven HV head, how those Delrin tubes always just break, and I never strip out any servos. Yep, you're and right. And so 
I've, you know, that many flights, numerous, numerous crashes. They've never stripped out. No slot, but it's getting to the point now where it's like, let's uh, let's put some different servos in there. Those things are getting a lot of flights, and I'm almost getting to where I feel like I'm just asking for problems. Sure, sure. So, <laughs> so what I are you going to you know, replace them with? Oh, I'm going to go ahead and put the uh, ProTech, probably the 250T series in there. I don't need the killer torque from the new series that they just came out with, so I'll probably just stick with the 251. Still got the nice aluminum case. Um, so yeah, hopefully, you know, install a whole set of those all the way around cyclics and tail on the seven HV this winter while it's torn down. Nice dude. Awesome. Uh, one other thing that I'm working on, um, I'm actually going to get another case just like the one I have. Now I talked to you, Justin, the other day about that foam. Remember you were talking about that foam? Yes. Well, Nick brought something to my attention that I wasn't aware. Uh, when you buy that case, you can actually buy it full of foam already and i guess it the foam is scored in like little yeah cubes. it's the pick and pluck yeah yep. so i'll just be able to do that i think and just build the because that you know when it comes right down to it i i've got a really nice futaba case for both of my futabas but with this new big ass stick that's going to need to be protected oh you know yeah what I mean? dude you got to come up with something custom for you that. have to protect your big stick you have to protect your yes. big stick <laughs> no question so i'm sure nick's got a bunch of stuff on the works too uh maybe he can kind of fill us in on that at, at another date but uh you know we've uh, got to get all this winter stuff taken care of and get ready for the season i'm already excited yeah, I, for it i i'd also say dan you know we we like you said we tend to go through this every year with a little bit different of a flavor i'd really be interested to hear what other cold weather bastards do absolutely so you know post up on the forums or send us an email or something oh, yeah. there, where there's always something to learn from it everyone you know, one, deals with this crap differently one listener that we have that i know uh, you guys you guys know jason J, right yeah yeah mm-hmm. he is very resourceful when it comes to flying in the cold weather and he actually has built you know and this is the kind of stuff we're talking about he's built like his own custom radio glove and that kind of stuff mm-hmm you know, post those ideas up, guys. Let's let's help our other uh, cold weather bastard brethren <laughs> get, <Yeah. laughs> get through the season. You know, get through this winter shit. CWBs unite. That's right. <laughs> let's just get through it and get into the flying season. Yeah, I've got one other thing I want to talk about, guys. Um, I think you might be aware of this, but we're going to introduce a new segment here's very very soon. And it's going to be an interactive segment. Uh, We are going to come up with a contest. And it's going to be a once a month thing. And we're going to come up with two separate prizes. Now, you're going to get probably a hat just for participating. Right? And if you can win, we're going to come up with something else. We're going to talk to some of our friends uh, that that support us. And see if we can come up with some kind of a a package. You know, some kind of a prize. But here's the premise of what we're going to do. We're going to come up with a series of questions, probably 10 questions. And when you come on, you know, we'll have a post on our forum that kind of talks about it. And people can say, hey, I'd like to give that a shot. What we'll do is you will be able to pick who you want to go up against. And it'll probably, you know, you'll have to pick between Jesse, Justin, and Nick. Uh, I'm not, (laughs) I'm going to be the guy running the (laughs) 
<laughs> running the contest. Oh, come on, Dan. <laughs> are you are you afraid that if they go up against oh. you, we're going to be giving shit away left and right? <laughs> you nailed it. So here's the idea. Here's how it's going to go down. It's actually going to be kind of fun. So we're going to come up with like 10 questions. Maybe less, depending upon time constraints. Uh, what we're going to do is you're going to come on the show. We're going to mute or make it so you cannot hear the questions and also one at a time or whoever you pick let's say you pick justin we will make it so you can't hear the questions we'll do a rapid fire question to justin and he answers and then he'll be scored from 110 uh then we will bring on then we will bring you on uh and then you will be asked the very same questions and whoever wins will win a prize or you know if justin wins he doesn't win a prize yeah, thanks. <laughs> I appreciate it. Awesome. And, and All this work. Do you win by who gets the most out of the 10 questions, right? The most out of the t- whoever gets the most points, you get 1 point per right question. And if you win, uh you will get whatever prize we come up with. We don't know what that's going to be yet. Uh we're going to be shopping it around to a few people to see if they want to get involved. It's not going to be anything huge, but you know, something fun. What um, happens if both people tie? Here's the deal. So, Oh. If it's a tie, we are going to have two to three tie-breaking questions that have nothing to do with helicopters, right? <laughs> Uh-oh. They're going to be real-world oh, trivia-type questions to kind of level the okay. playing field a little bit. Level the playing field. That's fair. We'll just do the very same thing. We'll make it so you can't hear. We'll quickly... And this is going to have to be rapid-fire. You're not going to be able to think about these questions for too long. You know, We'll have a little buzzer maybe... So is there like a time limit? Like how many can you get in 30 seconds or something? No, the, all, you'll get all 10 questions, but you'll only get a certain amount of time to answer a question. After it's asked. Uh, yeah, it's like maybe 20 seconds, 30 seconds, whatever, 15 seconds. And if you can't answer it, you don't get it. And we go on to the next question. What kind of questions are we talking about? Do all heli questions. Uh, we're going to have to... I'm going to get together with some of our listeners, and obviously you three can't be involved in, in the, the questions that we come up with. Uh, that would be an unfair advantage. We but it will, could be anything from, like, yeah, who makes the rush to... <laughs> you know, what does KV stand for? Uh, you know... Okay. What, what, does, what is disc loading? <laughs> That's just on questions off the top of my head. You know, what does resolution mean? What, you know, those types of questions. All heli related, some way, shape, or another. So we're going to do this once a month, and we'll probably put a post up on the forum. If it's something you'd like to you know, participate in, uh, great. Get on the show, have a little fun, have a chance to win. Uh, we have decided, though, that even for participating, whether you win or not, you're at least going to get a hat for participating. And we're going to do one contestant per show? One, per te- one contestant per show per month. Awesome. Yeah, we're only nice. going to do like the contest it. once a month. Should be a lot of fun. The details are really kind of in the infancy stage. I'd like to start at the first of the year. So, um, yeah, that makes sense. We will get it rolling. Um, at first, we may just have prizes, might just be shirts or a gift certificate or something to that effect. But we'll come up with something. So, by all means, if you're interested in doing something like that, let's, uh, let's get it on. Let's see if you can uh, stump the chumps. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> uh, yeah, nice. we'll go from there. See how it goes. I kind of miss Nick. Feels strange not hearing his voice. It does. Yeah, a little bit. 
Nick, I hope you're feeling better. Uh, obviously, you know, you got to got to take care of yourself, man. So uh, get to feeling better. If you guys wanted to get in touch with Nick, you could do that to Nick at rclnation.com. Jesse, if I wanted to get in touch with you, how would I do that? Just shoot me an email at jesse at rchelynation.com. Justin? You can send me an email at justin at rchelynation.com. I am Dan. You can reach me at dan at rchelynation.com. Also, on the chat room, you can see me at Dan K. Reed. Episode 115, guys. We're cruising right yeah. along. Wow. We'll be at 200 before you know it. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> Alrighty, guys, we sure hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as we've enjoyed making it. Have a good week, and we will see you next Monday. Talk to you guys later. CWB's rule. <laughs> this has been a production of RC Heli Nation, LLC, and is brought to you in part by Heli Pros, KDE Direct, Progressive RC, and Jen's Ace Batteries. We thank you for listening, and if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, please feel free to send us an email.